Hello everyone, welcome to Three Count Radio, and today I have the host of Guiding Light TV, Isaiah <laughs> Quinn. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. You're very welcome you indeed. Okay? You alright? Right? Yeah, good, good. Very, very well, thank you, very well. Excited to be here. <laughs> have you been doing through that, Dan, then? Yeah, okay, yeah, I think uh, this last lockdown's been a bit rubbish, really, hasn't it? Because... Yeah. I think with the first lockdown, everyone was kind of up to the challenge and in it together. And I was furloughed for a long part of that. Um, But then getting back to work in about October time, it's been difficult kind of working from home and sort of trying to do your work from home. And then other lockdowns, it's like, God, you know, there's only so many times I want to go out for a walk. And that's like the only thing you can do, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but other I agree. Than that, I'm, I've been all right, mate. Yeah, of have you been all right with it? Uh, it's taken a lot of motivation out of me. Um, mm. Yeah, I've been doing a, I've been doing an online course on counselling, so that's kept me busy. Oh, and well, the podcast. So I've, I've had yeah. a couple of projects keep me busy here or there, but uh, yeah, I've got a girlfriend in Manchester. I can't go and see, and I know I'm not, I'm not the only one with those problems, of course. But yeah. it, it's difficult. But we'll get through it. Yeah, yeah. Keep plugging away. Eh? So, a young Isaiah Quinn. What? Who were you watching, and who would it have been to influence, influence you to make your choice to start training? Mm, a young Isaiah Quinn. So, like, I think you. Like my my main influence was Sting, uh, growing up, um, watching WCW on Channel Five back in the day when they had like the highlight shows, just kind of seeing that personality. Uh, you know, he didn't really do much when he was the Crow Sting, mm. uh, and I think that's kind of quite unique to sort of capture that young mind. You know, a wrestler doesn't hasn't wasn't really wrestling much but um, had this persona that was just really captivating to me. Um, but also, like, you know, you, you're obvious, like, um, Stone Cold, The Rock. Uh, I went to see WWF um, in 99 when it came to Manchester. Wow. Uh, no Mercy. And, uh, yeah, it, that was amazing. I went with my dad. He wasn't really bothered about wrestling at the time, but, like, that was amazing for me. And uh, I do remember kind of like really wanting a Stone Cold T-shirt from the merch, but they'd all sold out. I guess that's kind of, you know, how much merch they would would sell. And the only only shirt that they got, that they had that I was kind of, I don't know. I think I kind of pushed myself to buy something. I ended up with a Triple H T-shirt, but he was such a heel at the time that I don't think I wanted uh, a (laughs) T-shirt, but... I ended up just buying it anyway, but yeah, they were the kind of influence uh, on me when I sort of started watching wrestling, you know, at a younger age. Uh, would he have still had my time back then? Or would he, would he have transitioned into the game by 99? He'd have had my time, wouldn't he? I don't think it was the game at that point. Yeah, I think it was no. in the 2000s he transitioned to the game, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I want to say there was still, like, 99 was still the, um, God, was it the Ministry? At, like, oh. around that time. I know it wasn't that, but, like... My favourite Undertaker, maybe, by far. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it was that. 
Yeah. But yeah, that was that was, mean, that was kind of the influence. I think you could have done worse than a Triple H t-shirt. I know, yeah. Oh, I mean, like, now when you look back at it, it's like, I mean, I, I never kept the t-shirt, but like, <laughs> cool, cool, I had a Triple H t-shirt. But when you're that young, and I think like you're so, things are quite black and white for you. And I was like, love the faces, you know, I yeah. hate, hate the heels and I ended up with when when you end up with a heel t-shirt it's like oh like, <laughs> I've got a bad guy's t-shirt <laughs> but yeah so that's what made you go up to become a heel <laughs> probably you, you probably had that uh maybe that's where the brainwashing come from he, he <laughs> that t-shirt brain brainwashed me into becoming a heel <laughs> you've heard it here first that's the origin story <laughs> no one I've never thought of that until you just said it so maybe that was maybe that is the reason so <laughs> uh, so, i mean there's a, a few great influences there but going back hopping back on this thing were you a wcw person rather than do the way you growing up or a bit of both know. yeah a little bit of both because we never had uh we never had sky at home mm. um so wcw and I guess WWF Heat and the fact that Channel 4 used to have that and they used to have the pay-per-views. So like my my kind of, I never really had massive exposure to it um, other than my mate who used to live down the, the street from, like the other street from me used to have uh, Sky and we used to watch Raw uh, whenever we used to go around and yeah, we used to play wrestling games on the N64 and things like that. So I mean, I was kind of a bit of both, but I think, um, yeah, I think I just used to like how cool WCW was. I think maybe yeah. because of the Sting for me, maybe. Maybe that was the reason. Well, you are correct in, in saying that Sting had, Sting had such a presence, which he still holds to this day. Like, he yeah. didn't have to overwork or do too much. Like, with Sting, this was more. Like yeah, definitely. Really, yeah. Really good. I think um, I know a lot of people draw comparisons to like Sting and Undertaker and how, you know, I think Sting's a few years, quite a few years older than Undertaker, but he's, you know, was, could still go. But if you think of like the Undertaker would was wrestling like pretty much nonstop for most of his career, but I think Sting had quite a big break, didn't he, until he went to TNA and then... yeah. Um, even with his WWE kind of contract was probably like the legends kind of contract. So yeah. Um, yeah, less is more for that. And I think that's kind of where the the persona kind of really helped kind of build his uh, following really. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's always good to see uh, people trying the hardest not to over exert. No, I'm, yeah. of course, I'm just a fan. I've never been in the ring, so I can't really comment no. on that. But yeah. it's when someone's got that character bang on and mm. they don't need to do much to get the like the eye of the fans, you know you've got something special. Yeah, and I think it was obvious that he was a great worker before the Crow, you know, before the Crow sort of sting. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did kind of keep most of that kind of uh, ring ability, like ring moveset and whatnot, just changed the character. So he'd already kind of established established himself as such a good worker. Yeah. Um, and it was the character change now that kind of uh, 
cemented his kind of place as someone who could, um, you know, change, adapt and make his, you know, arguably, I guess some people might disagree, but for me, the Sting Crow, um, the Crow Sting is his better persona. And it's a bit like when kind of like Bray Wyatt evolved, you know, a lot of people yeah. are really into like the Fiend now and like that's the epitome of Bray Wyatt kind of thing. But uh, <laughs> is that yeah, how you feel? Uh, honestly, um, I, was ta- I was on the radio the other day, I was talking to Jimmy about it, uh, Jimmy Bailey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's not a fan. He thinks it's too hokey, yeah. but I'm, that's interesting. It is right down my street. That's I interesting. Think, that I think because we've kind of, you know, gone out of the days of the Undertaker in the nineties and all that. But in, I, I, I like a bit of hokey as long as it's not too stupid. And the fact that they've um, they've written the fiend off TV, but it's still the through with yeah. Bliss, and she is killing it right now so I'm, I enjoy it I very much enjoy it yeah I think um, that was a real kind of uh, I don't know how to describe it but I guess in a world where wrestling hangs has kind of like you said stepped away from a lot of character stuff mm. being a character wrestler myself yeah. yeah, you know when The Fiend came back it was kind of like that kind of hope that you know what character wrestling still has a place Oh, um, I also agree. Yeah, and uh, and that the fiends' characters kind of rejuvenated maybe a lot of people's views that um, yeah, there is a space for it in in all types of wrestling. And like you said, I mean, I've not seen much of what Alexa Bliss is doing, but by the looks of it, it because it when I first heard about it, it did seem like it was just a kind of they didn't know what to do with Alexa, so they've they've kind of put her with the fiend sort of stuff, but. From what I've seen, she's really made it her own. Yeah. And um, it's not like just a bit part that she's playing in this whole scheme. It's, uh, you know, she's really kind of turning heads with it as well, which again is another way of another kind of um, layer to Alexa Bliss as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Royal Rumble, when she came out, number 27 I believe um, mm. I was sat there I was, like, I was sat on my chair here my mum was sat in the bed over there who were watching it I said oh my, okay now the rumble starts I was waiting for this <laughs> to come out yeah and then mid-transformation Rhea Ripley eliminates her now I I don't think anybody can see anything against Rhea Ripley phenomenal no, no. talent but in that very okay. little moment I hated her for eliminating her yeah, even though yeah. it was smart it was yeah, a genius yeah. thing to do, but oh, uh, it was, she, she, she's captivating. Bless, she's very captivating with what she does because she, she knows how to do it. Her character, she's another one. Her character work's always been fantastic. Definitely, yeah, I agree with that. I don't think the character change thing would have worked in the Rumble, really, would it? Um, and it was good to give them give the crowd that tease as well, I guess. Yeah, it was yeah. genius, absolutely brilliant, yeah. Buckingham. Brilliant. It, yeah. it made Ray Ripley look smart as well because yeah, yeah. usually you see it a lot of dude we when say when they transform or something happens, you usually just stand there and rock. It's like when you see someone like Ray Ripley act on it. Yeah, it, yeah. She's having none of it, yeah. It provides that smarts. So it's a brilliant show from top to bottom, to be honest. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. But I I do I personally do think character work has still holds a massive place in, in pro wrestling as a whole because yeah. we seem to have gone into more of a work rate 
either, haven't we? Um, yeah, yeah. But and it is important. It is important, but it is. Yeah. It's, it's a. It's. I guess it's a your. You know, like you, there's loads of different kinds of wrestling, isn't there? And not everyone likes, you know, the deathmatch stuff. Not everyone likes the kind of uh, hard hitting stuff. People might prefer character stuff, you know. So there is something for everyone, and you yeah. know, I think wrestling as a whole, as an industry, has a lot of um, uh, stretch as to, you know, what can happen in it. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I've, that's something I've always said. Like, if you wanted to get interesting, for just like try and find your niche. Because if you watch one match, that isn't just what you're going to see. There's so much out there. Like, oh yeah, there's comedy. You can go for uh, Sugar Dunkerton, DDL, Big Joe. Uh, yeah. If you want hard hitting, you've got Chris Ridgeway, Luke Jacobs. Like, it's, do all so many different avenues for people to just try and find their niche definitely yeah. and there you go it's, it's, that's the beauty of it in my opinion absolute beauty of it yeah but speaking of because yes i i do see you as a character driven wrestler that's mm. one of the things i was going to talk about actually um yeah. where did the guiding light gimmick come from with the book and the mm. greenwashing yeah so um initially it was uh johnny brannigan uh who was the owner of gpw and the trainer oh here we go he's got his most yeah. just saw that <laughs> yeah Isaiah Quinn, what a shameless plug you can you can there's, there's a few of them left on my big cartel guys <laughs> hint hint, hint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you've got to God. drink your coffee right aren't fantastic you? yes definitely <laughs> That's lovely, that. Uh, yeah, so it was uh, Johnny Brannigan's kind of idea to go down a kind of conspiracy theorist cult kind of vibe. Um, and I came up with the Isaiah Quinn gimmick and guiding light persona. I never, never used to have the book originally. I had a staff because um, it was quite a wizardy, magey sort of thing. And occasionally I'll use that uh, as, a, as a really legitimate weapon but kind of evolved it into a uh you know cult cult leaders manipulate people don't they that's what they do and on a very uh on a kind of commercial level you might see it in you know ponzi schemes and pyramid schemes where you know there are there are stories out there of uh you know, consumers giving people money for a service that doesn't necessarily exist. And yeah. and also with the cult kind of thing, there's a lot of uh, homework that you can do. There's, you know, there's documentaries to watch. Um, you know, lots of, there's, you know, lots of cult leaders that, uh, yeah, can really kind of influence that, that character as well. That's kind of where it came from. It's kind. It was uh, Johnny's idea to go down that that route after I was kind of experimenting with a kind of religious sort of gimmick. Now with the cult thing, there is still a there's a kind of secular. I don't want to say religion aspect because I don't like to kind of um, I don't want to kind of bring that into wrestling the sort of religious side of things. I, I want to keep it more. 
less faith-based and more about uh what's the word lifestyle based yeah. rather than religious mm. based makes sense yeah. Yeah. does make sense because you can it, it's a fine line with religion between entertainment yeah. and ruffling a couple of feathers here or there so yeah, I, it, I, it makes sense it does make sense yeah and i think uh the the broader i can keep it the more avenues there are down there to go down with with a cult leader and you know, I've been kind of experimenting with that as a kind of motivational speaker and, uh, you know, the kind of in like TV sort of stuff, you know, that you wouldn't necessarily think a, a cult leader would do, but it's still kind of got that brainwashing element that people are trapped in my TV world sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, do, you, do you reckon Sting would have, I know Sting wasn't a cult leader, but he was dark. Do you reckon he would have like, had a hand in it? in your ideas oh yeah definitely that like the kind of uh you might not see it necessarily but there's that darkness isn't there there and yeah. even though he was more face or or whatnot the the presence you know that's kind of how i want to come across when i'm in the ring yeah. whether it happens or not i don't know but like i want to you know i'm not the biggest guy you know <laughs> um i want to be able to have a presence uh, even when I'm not in the ring sort of thing. So like, you, you know, at Future Shock as an example, the stuff with Kev Lloyd and, yeah. and John McGregor, like that is their story. Uh, you know, Kev Lloyd versus John McGregor used to be the sexy gents and now they're at loggerheads. And then there's me in the background, like whispering in, in his ear. So like, I'm not the forefront, you know, of, 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 the, of the story but I've still got that presence and input there. Uh, but yes, and, and Sting had that presence. You never, because you just look at the kind of the NWO kind of angles in WCW, usually towards the end of most of the shows, it was like the fake Stings. Oh, it's a fake Stings, you know, and you never really know if the real Sting is going to come out. And ultimately they've created that fear from him not even being there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's brilliant. It, it takes great booking for someone to do that, for you to always have that person in the back of your mind all the time. And it's almost like you play the sort of devil on Kevin Lloyd's shoulder, don't you? Yeah, yeah, the devil's advocate kind of thing. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of it, isn't it? The the uh, manipulating and brainwashing of, of Kevin Lloyd that's kind of brought out this more aggressive side. And that's the side that people might disagree with me, but... I think it's the side that Kev Lloyd needs to show to be a champion. And um, I am glad to have brought that out of him. Well, as am I, because it's made for great watching. Mm. Uh, where, where did the idea come from for you to start brainwashing Kev? Uh, it was just interesting to see... How can I put it? Uh, Kevin Kevin was better than he thought he was. Mm. Kevin is better than he thought he was at that time. And John McGregor uh, was getting all these plaudits. In my opinion, that was luck. He had a lot of luck on his side. He won the Legacy Tournament. And then John kind of went down this route to being a champion, the heavyweight champion at Future Shock. But Kevin was kind of 
you know, had fallen by the wayside. Now, what better way to pick someone up and get inside their head than someone who uh, has lost that kind of uh, will? Yeah, dead easy, dead easy. And I knew that Kevin was a you know, brilliant mat, mat technician. He mm. can be brutal. Uh, if you've seen him put that full Nelson on, you can snap your neck if, if you want. If if he channeled that power and I think he just needed someone, i.e. me, to help him channel that power. So it was a it was an obvious decision to 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 look at Kevin Lloyd and bring him to where he should be. And uh, you know, that helped bring me to where I am in you know the in terms of stature in in future shock yeah it works it works it, it's you it, it's like a vulture over the top looking for someone who's vulnerable to prey on and you're using a very harsh word prey <laughs> prey on him listen to this right you can brainwash <laughs> and manipulate as much as you want but the other person has to have something inside their head that re- makes them realize, actually, I do need something. So it's not just me that's brainwashing Kev. Kev's got something in his head and it's clicked that he's realized that I can give him something. So pray. I'm not, you know, I'm not this vicious person you're making me out to be, Adam. I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> you persuaded well, me. Yeah, I persuaded <laughs> you. I'm good like that, mate. I'm good like that. <laughs> okay, you, I won't say pray. I won't say pray. <laughs> hmm. So do you... That's what you thought now. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I've got inside your head. You have, yeah, you have. That's yeah. all it takes. <laughs> I, I'm saying he was vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> So, uh, what will you? Hmm, what would be your ambitions for when, if and when wrestling is to return? What would be your ambitions going forward? Uh, that's a good one. I, my ambitions. I think it's important that you know I do want to still wrestle um, as much as I can. I want to make a point of wrestling for promotions that are promoting uh, equality and diversity you know i think that a lot of things have happened during this Mm. pandemic that um has made me think that everyone can try a little bit harder to kind of ask promoters what they're doing to to be more uh diverse and uh you know promoting equality and and safe and being safe and, and looking after the welfare of of wrestlers as well. Um, so, you know, it's a hard kind of train of thought to get into because you're so used to kind of sliding into promoters, DM, uh, DMs, asking for bookings. But I think it's important to be, be able to say, uh, I'm interested in a booking. Uh, before I send you some stuff over, do you have safeguarding measures in place and et cetera, et cetera, and not being afraid to ask that question. Uh, yeah, I do want to, you know, I want to wrestle. I am still very, you know, 
um, eager to to be able to get into the other minds of wrestlers like I have with Kevin. Yeah. Um, and I guess that isn't really down to a promoter. That's down to me uh, finding that right person to manipulate. And I will. Uh, it's just whether I, where, where that happens. Um, but also like, I, you know, I, I'm enjoying doing that, like that guiding light TV stuff. Uh, and that's made me think a lot about the future in terms of where I want to be after my sort of in-ring career, uh, finishes. Um, and certainly, uh, would, would be very keen in looking at doing some commentary and looking at kind of behind the scenes sort of creative stuff that, you know, so the, I don't think I'd ever just kind of stop wrestling and then leave the industry. You know, I think there's a, there's a lot that I can kind of do, you know, after that, maybe even do a bit whilst I am wrestling. It sounds great. Yeah, I mean, you've you've already uh, jumped onto commentary quite a bit, haven't you? Yeah, and um, commentating with Rob Rob Halden and also Matt Richards has just been like such a learning experience as well because you know they've got a lot of um, experience in doing that at such a high level. Yeah. But, um, it's just great to kind of see how they work and, and looking at kind of the notes they make to kind of big up a match. And, you know, I remember commentating with, well, both, both Robin and Matt, um, they big up the matches so much that you kind of forget yourself that you're there to commentate and, you know, <laughs> They've built up. They've they've built the match so strong that it's like I'm so so invested in it, um, especially with main events. You know, mm. uh, so that you know it's been really good uh, learning from them guys, and you know I'd love to I'd love to do it more uh, with with them as well. Those two are absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah, and when when I watch back certain shows or certain matches from. Um, on demand, they are they're absolutely brilliant. Rob Harden is fantastic. Yes, yes. It is one thing I really, I, I would actually really like to get into myself because yeah, I, 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 it was a lifelong ambition for me to get into wrestling. But uh, when you've got epilepsy, it's a bit difficult. Uh, right, right, yeah. Yeah, suffered a concussion a number of years ago, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I kind of put a pin in that one. Oh. Yeah, well, there's loads of avenues you can go down, though, yeah. isn't it? Like we we're just talking about their commentary and whatnot. And this podcast, I guess, is going to really help you with kind of structure and stuff like that. And you know, I bet, I bet you could reach out to tons of commentators that will give you some kind of support in terms of how to develop that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's exactly something I'd love because mm. I, I go on the radio every Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and I start. I started. I did start this because I wanted. To, I did want to do something like a podcast, something like that. Mm. It was initially to help me with my interviewing skills for when we're on the radio and things mm. like that to help me improve. But I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying the that's really good podcast aspect of it. It's really fun. Nervous yeah. beforehand, but when you get into it, it's great. 
But yeah, I can I, I can kind of imagine being like you though. Whereas when you're in the commentary table and they're bigging up and hyping from actually you just start that. Yeah. And it, you I, kind of get taken out of the moment of oh wait I'm on commentary. <laughs> yeah, I think. It, it is good to still have that fan, uh, that fanboy, fangirl kind of element. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm still a fan of wrestling. Mm. You know, I still, it's fine to mark out. I still mark out, oh, you yeah. know, when I see certain things, it's like, oh my God, like, and that's, it, I don't want, I don't ever want to lose that. And I guess when you are involved in wrestling, it does kind of, uh, you do learn to suppress that because obviously you're behind the scenes and you kind of get a more of an idea of what is actually going on behind the scenes, etc. But uh, it never dies. I don't think it ever dies. You just kind of learn to kind of um, suppress it in a way. That that's the passion, though. That's what brings out the passion. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would if I was involved in it, I wouldn't want to lose that aspect of it because it, it that's the that's what brought you into the business in the first place, isn't it? The ability to yeah. get so invested that you're oh my god. Like last year when Edge returned at the Royal Rumble, like Oh yeah. Hands down my favourite moment in Rumble history. Amazing an entrance, that on it, yeah. And I know, yeah. It, 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 it's, <laughs> it's sort of the testament to the work he did, you know. Lead, you know, and he was retired. I think he was clearly admired by the fans. Hall of Famer, really, isn't he? And mm. and then this, this, you know, that math, that bad injury he's had, and all it's took is um, his music, and all of a sudden, it's some people's favorite wrestling moment of all time. Or you know what I mean? And that just kind of shows the the different mediums that wrestling has, you know, you've got yeah. physical aspects, you've got the story aspects, you've got the visual and, and auditory stuff like music, wrestling music. Like, do you remember when um, CM Punk left and Paul Heyman came out to CM Punk's music? Such a, like being able to elicit that emotions from fans is like, there's not many, uh, there's not many forms of media that, that can can do that no not at all bang on absolutely bang on it's like when um sean michaels returned to montreal so like, who's your daddy montreal and then bret hart's <laughs> music comes on he's like yeah oh, it's just beautiful it's just, yeah it's absolutely beautiful Mu music in pro wrestling is so integral definitely definitely so integral because i remember cedric alexander in his first three years on the main roster, had had in, had an entrance theme, and it took about ten seconds to. It was like so slow, but it took about ten seconds enough to kick in. Yeah, and he'd come out like a house on fire, but the the music took so long to kick in that it didn't fit with the entrance, and right. it can, in my opinion, like because rest, wrestling's art and music adds to if you, you see the Undertaker. Is gong. Oh yeah, it's one gong. That that's all it takes for the entire arena just to. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's the first second of a of a song. If it's memorable enough, you'll. You know you'll pop for it, won't you? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, word. Speaking of, we've mentioned it a couple of times. Where did the idea for guiding light TV 
Uh, yeah, so lockdown, I was furloughed from work. I wanted to keep myself busy. I felt like I had to do something creatively um, just to keep sane, you know. Uh, now, I initially had this idea uh, to do a guiding light TV channel, but it was just me. Um, and I'd filmed loads of stuff for it, and it was going to be a full week of promos from me. But I thought, what a really good opportunity to just collaborate with people because everyone, there's going to be a lot of people in the same position who aren't working, who are stuck at home or whatever. So, uh, you know, that's kind of where it came, the idea came from for just doing a mess about really, but also, you know, hopefully the guys who were involved in it got something out of it in terms of developing themselves or, or whatever. And I just kind of... Um, wanted to I mean it was a, it was self-serving as well because it, came, it all went out on my channel yeah. uh, sorry the channel the, my Twitter channel whatever <laughs> and, um, but like it was nice being able to work with people who uh, were passionate about doing something during lockdown and yeah I felt like um, you know there was some fans of, of, of guiding light TV so that I kind of did you know, did the job, really. Yeah, I mean, as you say, we're on lockdown, so it's just a nice piece of entertainment, isn't it? Yeah, something to do, isn't it? Something to watch. Yeah, it's a, it's an escape. Like, much like wrestling, just for that, that moment, it's an escape to provide the fans with a bit of a laugh. Yeah, Which... yeah, and I think uh, everyone who got involved was uh, keen, eager to do it, and really... It also created a nice little uh, camaraderie between us all. And I think, mm. you know, I, I wasn't, um, I didn't really know everyone who was involved with it, with it like friend wise. I think I knew him as more of an acquaintance. And I think that it did bring people together. And for me, as kind of strengthened bonds with people, which is pretty good. And, yeah. So yeah, I think a lot a lot of positives have come out of it. Um and help it helped me as well with like like hang on a minute, I could certainly use this method of guiding light TV as part of my cult um leader in terms of doing segments on shows, you know, interviews with people and whatnot and talks, motivational talks and whatnot. Yeah. So that's kind of where it came about. Yeah, it can keep you busy, but it certainly keeps you busy, but it can, and I don't want to say ring rust, because it's not necessarily ring rust, but it keeps the ideas of the character going and fresh, yeah. even though we were in lockdown, so you, you, you're unable to get to the ring to flourish that character, so the character's then going into something else instead. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. It's kind of like uh, character rust, isn't it? Rather than ring rust, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to lose that uh, kind of uh, creative flow, spark or flow that you might have been in. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine you get... Uh, I imagine when you're wrestling, it becomes natural and powerful, of course. Just to, you get into it and then, boom, you're in the character. So when yeah, you're off for so long... Doing... Yeah, I mean, I recently did a promo um, that I put out and it took me 
it took me a long time to kind of get into the groove. I yeah, I can I imagine. I was out of it for so long that, um, you know, I kind of almost forgot how to, how to get into my zone. Do you know mm. what I mean? And it's kind of rediscovering that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can, I can get that. Yeah. Cause after such a long time off, it's been a year now, hasn't it? So yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much been a year. That's mad. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, I can imagine it being, getting a bit difficult to try and get back into the swinger things back into, because going from having so much time off to straight back in to like going, okay, I've got, I've got to put a, cut a promo. This is how you do it. I need to sort of get in the mentality back into, back back yeah. into the wrestling gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. your, your gimmick kind of lends itself more to, heel I think rather mm. than a baby face but would do you reckon would you be able, how would you be able to see yourself as a baby or which one would you rather work more here though baby have you ever thought about that uh yeah definitely thought mm. about it I think um I can certainly see how it might work as a baby face uh in particular with uh the following and Nick Maguire Oh yeah, we're, we're, we're a tag team in a few places, and I think that the little skits that we put out, uh, the following, the following is is a really good kind of idea of how you can take a cult character and um, make it more comedic. Because ultimately, I think fans would do revel in the uh, the idea that we're trying to create a cult, but it's actually quite hard because no one wants to join us. So I think that's where the kind of comedy comes in and, and the aspect of always falling down or whatever, always kind of failing, but trying to pick yourself back up, I think is, you know, that's, there's loads of ways that I think we can go down. I think we, I even discussed with a promoter about getting hit on the heads, like really hard. Um, and then the next show come out, and I kind of forget some key things about what I am and who I am. Um, like the book of Isaiah has been replaced with hello magazine or something, but I'm not really quite sure how, <laughs> how that happened in my head. It's still the same, but because I got hit on the head so hard. Um, I want that now. I want to see yeah. that now. <laughs> yeah. I think there are, there are lots of different ways that we can go down. Um, and I think we have almost kind of, we tried it little bits in, in our in-ring kind of stuff, me and Nick, but not massively. Uh, I think it's down to what the promoter wants from us. And I think the promoter see us as uh, more of a, a sort of strong negative vibe in their promotion which i'm fine I'm, I'm fine with you know yeah i am a very I, I class myself as a multifaceted person so even with that kind of uh comedic side to me you won't know whether i that is me or it's just a ploy so oh, that's the beauty of the color gimmick that's the beauty yes. of it. Yes. Well, I thank you. Thank you very much. Just a, oh, no problem. 
is there any social media you'd like to plug at all uh you can find me on the worst social media platform uh called twitter at guiding light iq i'm also on instagram at guiding light iq that's mostly cat stuff and you can find me on facebook at guiding light iq so all the same handles for, for them three things yeah, thanks, Adam. It's been great. Nice talking to you. Thank you very much. Everyone get a follow him. Everyone get a follow him. Guiding Guy IQ, Isaiah, thank you ever so much. I appreciate Cheers, it. Cheers, mate. All the best with this. Thank you. Thank you very much.